Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Hey, Celebration. I hope everyone is having a great day today. I want to welcome all of our locations, and I want to introduce a very special guest that we have today as we kick off our new series entitled Legacy. We have with us Pastor Robert Morse from Gateway Church in Dallas, Texas. Many of you know Robert, you love Robert. He's a regular here at Celebration. He pastors an amazing church, Gateway Church over in Dallas that many of you know of. And he's also the author of some, of some great books, The Blessed Life, which many of you have read. His new book, Truly Free, a great book on freedom that we have in our resource center. And of course, he's written several other great books that have really helped the body of Christ as well. Pastor Robert is going to be speaking today. Today, I am at our Orlando campus. I want to thank all of you for your generosity and prayers to our new Celebration Orlando Church. It's going amazing. They have over a thousand in Sunday attendance already. So I'm going to be speaking down there today at our Orlando Church. You guys are going to hear a great message from Pastor Robert Morris, and I will be back in Jack's next Sunday as we continue in our Legacy Series. So God bless, and right now, I want you to put your hands together and give the best celebration welcome you can for Pastor Robert Morris. Hey, everyone. How are you? Good to see you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you. I am honored to hear, to be here. I'm probably more excited to be here than you are for me to be here. Because I love you guys. I love Celebration. Uh, Debbie and I love Pastors Stovall and Kerry. Uh, we met Pastor Stovall and Kerry probably uh, 10 years ago at a pastor's conference. And the only thing I thought was, I just wish every now and then he would get more excited about the Lord. I don't know if you ever thought that. But no, he has always been passionately in love with Jesus, and that's one thing that not only I, but really pastors uh, all over the body of Christ appreciate about Pastor Stovall and about Pastor Kerry. And so I'm honored to be here. My family is not with me today, but I brought a picture uh, in my wallet. I'll just throw it up on the screen, just from my wallet to the screen. What? Pop. There it is, automatically there. Uh, this is my family. And uh, that's uh, my wife, Debbie, there beside me. We've been married 35 years this past May, 35 years. And uh, then we have uh, three grown and married children. And we actually have another grandchild that you don't see there that's come since that picture. Uh, this was last year's Christmas picture. And um, so we've got six grandchildren. And uh, let me just let you know, if you don't already know this, that grandchildren are God's reward for not killing your children. <laughs> so the next time you, you just feel like just kind of, yeah, just hold on, because there's a better one coming along. <laughs> and you, man, you, that grandchild, you can play with that grandchild and hop him up on sugar and then send him back to his parents and to get revenge. It's just, it's wonderful. And, so, uh, as I said, all of our children are grown and married. Now, some of you know what that means. Some of you don't. So, let me tell you what it means since our children are grown and married so you have something to look forward to. Since all of our children are grown and married, that means that Debbie and I are now wealthy. 
because they're out of our home. And uh, so we love our kids, but we're glad they're gone. So anyway, um, <clears throat> no, I'm just joking. We love our kids very, very much. Uh, all right, I want you to turn in your Bibles, please, to Exodus chapter 13, uh, or click uh, on your iPad or your phone or however you read the Bible, just make sure you read it. Uh, Exodus chapter 13, and I want to share with you the most important message that I can share with you. Now, it's not the most important message that someone else could share, but it's the most important message I can share, and let me clarify, with believers, obviously the most important message would be the gospel, but if you've already become a believer, this, in my opinion, is the most important message that I can share with you, and it's called the principle of first. It is a principle that runs all through Scripture that affects every area of your life, your family, your health, your finances, your marriage, your relationships, your job, every area of your life, and it's called the principle of first. And to just sum it up, if God's first in your life, then everything can come into order. If God's not first in your life, nothing can come into order. God must be first in our lives. So this is the principle of first. So let me show it to you in, in several passages throughout the Bible. We're going to start in Exodus 13, all right? Exodus 13 verse 1 says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Consecrate, which is just kind of a big word which means set to the side, set, over to, set aside to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, now watch these three words carefully. It is mine. Now, in, in the Hebrew, this is an extremely emphatic phrase uh, which shows ownership. It, it is mine, possession. It belongs to me. The firstborn is mine. And now look down at verses 12 and 13, same chapter. That you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. Again, ownership, possession shall belong to God. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Now we'll come back and talk about a donkey and a lamb in a moment. I want you to notice this though. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. Now I just want to say, we'll talk about tithing in a little while, but I want to say this. What, you don't, what many people don't understand is that if it belongs to God and you don't return it to Him, you're still going to lose it. Yeah, that's right. It's going to go out of your account one way or the other. So th this, is what he's, this is the principle that he's speaking about here, right? You'll break its neck. And then all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Okay, so I have three points. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. If you're not taking notes... I want you to write these down. So here's the first one, okay? Number one, the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Not should be or could be, it's must be. According to what we just read, according to this principle, the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. And we'll talk about how that principle applies to us in a moment. But when it says you've got to sacrifice it or redeem it, how do you know which to do? How do you know whether you're to sacrifice it or redeem it? You know, he said, the firstborn among my sons, I redeem. I know there are times when you think, I'm, I'm going to sacrifice you if you don't stop, you know, doing what you're doing right now. But that's, that's not what he's talking about. So how do you know whether to sacrifice 
already. Well, he gives us two animals that are exemplary of classifications of animals. In other words, the lamb represents clean animals and a donkey represents unclean animals. And so here's what he tells you. If your unclean animal has a firstborn, you have to redeem it. It belongs to the Lord, so you have to purchase it back to be able to use it. You have to redeem it with the sacrifice of a clean animal. And if your clean animal has a firstborn, you have to sacrifice it. So you have to sacrifice a clean firstborn. You have to redeem an unclean firstborn with the sacrifice of a clean I want to say it one more time because when I tell you what this represents, uh, you're going to like this. If your unclean has a firstborn, you have to redeem it with the sacrifice of a clean. And a firstborn clean must be sacrificed. Okay, so what in the world does this represent to us today? Well, let's, let's talk about us and how we were born in our spiritual condition before God. When you and I were born on this earth, where we spiritually, was our spiritual condition, were we born clean or unclean? We were born unclean. It's theology 101. We were all born in sin. We were born with a sin nature. We were born with a bent towards sin. I can actually prove it to you just practically by asking you the, the, the experts here one simple question. Uh, the parents, did you have to teach your children to be bad? <laughs> or did it come naturally for them? <laughs> See, it comes natural for us to be bad. We have to teach our children to be good because we're all born with a sin nature. So spiritually, all of us, we were born unclean. Here's the second question. Was Jesus born unclean or clean? Clean. clean without sin, never sin. Okay, here's what we just read. Listen, you're going like this. The clean had to be sacrificed so that the unclean could be redeemed. That's what we just read. That's what this is talking about. And that's why we're going to see how the first, giving the first to God represents the tithe. That's why it's tough for me when people speak negatively about tithing. Because truthfully, you don't know what you're talking about. You're speaking negatively about something that God instituted. No preacher made up tithing. Please hear that. No preacher made this up. No television preacher made it up. God made this up. God put it in the Bible. And let me let you know, God didn't do it for his good. I, I was talking with a, a Bible college class a while back, and I said, why did God invent tithing? And uh, one of the students said, to support the work of his ministry. Now, I want you to think about this. I said to her in front of the whole class, I said, I wasn't embarrassing her, I just answered her question. I said, think about it. Do you really believe? Now, you think about it for a moment. Do you really believe that God needs our money <laughs> to support his work? You really believe that? God did not invent tithing and giving for him he invented it for you <laughs> because it works selfishness and greed out of our lives and it builds faith into our lives. That's the only reason he did it. He doesn't need the money. He did it to, so we, to be a blessing to us. See, it takes faith to give the first one. Tithing is about giving the first 10%, not the last 10%. God said, when your sheep has a lamb, give me the first one. He didn't say, wait until your sheep has 10 and then give me the one that you don't like that keeps getting in your garden. 
He said, you give me the first one before you have more, and that initiates the blessing on the other nine. 90% with God's blessing will go farther than 100% without. It's, it's all through Scripture. And what God is trying to do is God wants to bless you. But you have to step out in faith. That's why you give the first 10%, not the last 10%. It's the first 10%. It's, it's all through Scripture. And then when you think about it, God says, listen, bring the tithe into the storehouse. And I'll open the windows of heaven on you and pour out such blessing you will not even be able to receive it. And then it says, and, and, that's kind of like if you call right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He doesn't even say for the kingdom's sake. He says for your sake. I'm gonna rebuke, do you know there's a devourer who's trying to devour you, your family, your health, your finances, your marriage, and God says, I'll rebuke him if you'll simply tithe. Yep. I'll put my hand up and say to the devil, no more. I mean, that's a good deal for 10%. Just from a business standpoint, that's a good deal. You can't beat that deal. I believe so strongly in tithing. I have told our entire church now for 15 years, you tithe for one year, and if you're not fully satisfied at the end of that year, I'll give you your money back. And I feel so strongly, I'll tell you, you tithe to Celebration Church for one year. If you're not fully satisfied at the end of that year, Pastor Stovall will give you your <laughs> money back. Okay, I've enjoyed being with you today, so. When uh, you saw a picture of my uh, family there, my daughter and my son-in-law, uh, when my son-in-law started dating my, my daughter, he came to me first and asked my permission. He did everything right. That's why he got her. You know, he got the prize because he did it right. But I did kind of normal things when I met with him for the first time. You know, I, you know, did a financial audit. I took a blood check. You know, I showed him my gun collection. Normal things. You know that a father would do when you want to date his daughter and so anyway he got the permission they started dating and so after our young adult service they're standing down front uh, after the service talking about seven or eight in the group and they got to joking around with my daughter and my future son-in-law at that time uh, what it would be like to date the pastor's daughter you know and, uh, and one of them said to my daughter Elaine said you know Elaine your, your dad is so strong on tithing I'll bet he even checks the tithing records of the guys that want to date you. And my daughter said, he does. <laughs> and I did. Well, let me ask you just a real simple question. Why would I give my daughter to a thief? Why would I give my daughter to a man who would not only steal, but would steal from God? Well, if he's not going to be honest with God, he won't be honest with her. And I'll ask you another question, even on stewardship. Why would I give my daughter to a man that can't even handle money? It's the simplest thing in the world to handle. I mean, if he can't handle money, he definitely can't handle my daughter, because my daughter is a handful. <laughs> So the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Here's number two, the first fruits must be offered. The first fruits must be offered. Again, this is a principle of first. We talked about it with the firstborn. Now we're talking about first fruits. Uh, look, look at uh, uh, Exodus 23, verse 19. The first 
of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things. First of all, where, where do the first of the first fruits go? They come into the house of God. It's always in Scripture it comes to the house of God. The other thing is I want you to notice the word bring. God never talks, uses the word give when He talks about tithing because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. You can simply bring it. Again, this is why it, it bothers me when people speak negatively about tithing because now God is likening it to firstborn and first fruits. Do you realize that Jesus is God's firstborn? And Jesus is God's first fruit? That's what the Bible says. New Testament says that. See, maybe you've never thought about it this way, but remember you give the tithe in faith. You give the tithe before you see the blessing. You give it before. Okay, think about this. Jesus is God's tithe. Because God gave Jesus first. God didn't wait to see if you would clean up and straighten up. God gave Jesus when we were mocking him and spitting on him and nailing him to a cross. Romans 5 says it this way, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And God gave Jesus, the Bible says, in hope. It's the same root word for faith, in faith that we would come. So this is the principle. It's all through Scripture. When the children of Israel were entering the promised land, God said, bring all of the silver and gold from Jericho into the house of the Lord. Same, it's always the house of the Lord, and you always bring it. You don't give it. You bring it because you're returning something that belongs to God. Bring it into the house of the Lord. Okay. Why would God say bring all of the silver and gold from Jericho? It's real simple, because Jericho was the first city. It's the principle of first. You, you bring me the first, the rest is redeemed. See, the first portion has, is the redemptive portion. When you bring the first one to God, the rest are blessed. You bring the first lamb, the others are blessed. You bring the first city, the others are blessed. And when they took some of Jericho, remember, they lost the next battle. And God is the one that used the word stolen. He used the word stolen, Joshua 7, and Malachi 3 used the word rob. So when I said a moment ago, why would I give my daughter to a thief? Please don't get offended about that because those are the words God uses. Not me. God says, when you take the tithe, you have two choices with the tithe according to Scripture. Two choices. You bring it to God's house or you steal it. Those are the only two choices. And the only reason I'm being so strong with you is because you got a great Bible preacher here. And I know that you love God's Word. And I'm being strong with you because it's not going to help me one bit to be strong with you. It's not going to help me any. It's going to help you. Yeah. It will change your life and Satan will do everything he can to stop you from having God in first place in your life. Because he knows you put God in first place, everything else falls into place. When I was in college, uh, one of the students asked one of the professors, why did God accept Abel's offering and he didn't accept Cain's? And the professor gave such a wonderful, humble answer. He said, you know, I really don't know. I don't have any revelation on that, that verse. Years later, as I'm studying and see this principle of the firstborn and first fruits, I saw why God accepted Abel's and he didn't accept Cain's. And you'll see it too. Let me read it to you. Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. And in the process of time. Now, those words are very important in the verse. In the process of time. It came to pass, it just kind of happened, that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Notice it does not say first fruits. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. You see it? Simple, isn't it? 
Cain is a farmer, but he doesn't bring first fruits. Abel is a rancher, but he brings firstborn. God accepts Abel's, he doesn't accept Cain's. It's simple. One gives the first, first part of the offering, first part of his increase, God accepts it. The other one, just in the process of time, came to pass, he just gave an amount, an offering to the Lord. Let me say it another way. He gave what he wanted, when he wanted. And God said, I don't accept that. Now, let me go a little deeper in theology. Um, It's not just that God wouldn't accept it, it's that he couldn't. There are some things that God can't do. Many people believe, well, God can do anything because he's God. It's not true. God can never do anything outside of himself or outside of his character. God can only act inside of his character. Let me give you an example. God cannot lie. He can't lie. The reason he can't lie is not because he speaks truth, but because he is truth. He does speak truth, but he speaks truth because he is, God is truth. That's what the Bible says. He is truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the truth. So he can, he can never tell a lie. So there are some things God can't do. So I want to show you why God could not accept Cain's offering, all right? And let me give you a few examples, and some of these are kind of humorous. Maybe you've never thought about them this way. Um, one thing, God can't change. Malachi 3, 6 says, I am the Lord. I do not change. By the way, it's two verses before he says you're cursed because you're not tithing. And he says, I can't change. This is the way I am. Okay, here's the reason God can't change. The big theological word is immutability. The immutability of God means God can't change. Now, let me tell you why God can't change. And I like to say it this way because it's a little humorous, you know. Uh, God can't change because if God could change, it would mean that he can get better, and God can't get better because he's best. So he can't change, he's already perfect, so he can't change. So that's one thing God can't do. Let me tell you the second thing God can't do. God can't think the way we think. Let me clarify, God can't think the way we think. What's the word? The attribute is called the omniscience of God comes from two words, omni and science. Omni means all, science means knowledge. God has all knowledge. God knows everything. God knows everything. Let me say it a different way. God knows everything at the same time. Now, I know that didn't hit you very hard, but you think about that this week, you will trip a breaker. (laughs) God knows everything at the same time. Okay, let me say it another way. Um, Nothing has ever occurred to God. God has never said, you know what I just thought of? I just thought of something I've never thought of before. He's never said that. See, the reason God can't think the way we think is because when we think, we're trying to figure something out. He's not trying to figure anything out. He knows it all. So there are some things God can't do, okay? God can't lie. He can't change. He can't think. But listen to me. This is, this is what applies to Abel and Cain. God can't be second. He can't be. This is called the preeminence of God. You probably heard the word eminence means first. But God is preeminent. It means he's before the first. He's higher than the first, he's above the first, he's above all, he's before all, he's the first of all. God can never be second. He can never be second, he can't be. You know, we as pastors will say, and I'll even say this, you know, we need to put God first in our lives. Okay, that's true as an analogy, 
But please hear me. Even if God's not first in your life, he's still first in the universe. You, you didn't change his order in the universe. So God can't be second. So Abel brings a first offering. God accepts it. Cain brings an offering and it's not first. And God says, I'm sorry, I, I can't accept that. It's universally impossible for me to ever be in second place. I cannot accept that. So the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. The first fruits must be offered. Here's number three. The tithe must be first. The tithe must be first. And the reason is because it belongs to God. And God's a first God. Anything that belongs to him must be first because he's first. I'll show you the scripture, Leviticus 27, verse 30. And all the tithe of the land, all of it, all, this is the Bible, all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, watch carefully, is the Lord's. Again, it's the Lord's property. It belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Now, let me address something. People will say, well, you say, well, the tithe belongs to the Lord. And here's what people say, well, it all belongs to God. Well, don't use that. You're not going to give it all. <laughs> the people that say to me, well, but it all belongs to God. Okay, then you give it all. <laughs> yes, yes, it all belongs to God. But here's the word he uses. He has set aside the tithe for himself. And that's all he's asking for. He's asking you, return the tithe. Return the tithe to me and watch what I do. And he's just trying to see if, if you'll... Uh, walk in faith? If you believe that if you'll put him first in your finances, he can bless your finances. That's what he's trying to see. All right, so let me give you a math illustration of how this works out, okay? So half of you can take a little break, okay? So I understand that, you know, about half people like math, about half don't. I said that one time, a lady came at me and she said, I don't know where you got that term because I don't think it's a half. I don't think it's anywhere close to that of people like math. But Anyway, I like math. Uh, my father is a mathematical genius, certified mathematical genius. I'm not a mathematical genius. It apparently skips a generation. But, um, <laughs> but I, numbers actually add up in my mind without me trying to get them to. And it just happens to me. They just add up in my mind. I don't even try to get them to. If you name numbers, they would add up in my mind. Uh, Debbie and I were buying something one time. It was $7.99. And the lady said to me, I'll have to add the uh, tax on the calculator because the cash register is broken. And I said to her, just like that, I said, uh, it's 66 cents. And I wasn't trying to show off. It just came out before I thought. I just said, well, it's 66 cents. You know, if you want to know, it's 66 cents. And she looked at me for a moment. She did a little number. She said, it's 66 cents. <laughs> I said, okay. So we got in the car and Debbie said to me, how do you do that? How do you do that? Okay, now, um, I thought that she was actually asking me <laughs> how I did it. I, I found out later she couldn't care less how I do math <laughs> at all, you know, but so she's asking me, so I explained it to her, you know. Uh, and I said, well, sugar, um, our tax rate is 8.25. 7.99 is close to 8. 8 times 8 is 64. Quarter of 8 is 2. 64 plus 2 is 66. I said, that should happen in less than a second in your mind. 
she said to me, it doesn't. <laughs> and then she said to me, but I know what 25% off means. <laughs> so, so I said to her, I said, okay, okay. See, I still think she's talking math, okay? You have to understand, she speaks in concepts, I speak literally. That's just our marriage, and you, you might have the same thing. It may even be reversed in your marriage, I don't know. But she, she speaks concepts, I speak literally, you know. So I thought she's speaking literally. So I said, okay, sugar. Uh, since you know what 25% off means, let me test you. I said, if you're buying something for $100 and it's 25% off, what does that mean? She said, it means it's a good deal. And then she said, she said, and if it's 50% off, it's free. <laughs> what? And then she does like this to me, you know, like, idiot. <laughs> she said 50% off, Robert, is the same thing as buy one, get one free. So if it's 50% off, it's free. And then she said, and if it's 75% off, you're making money. <laughs> Which explains some difficulties we've had over the years in our checkbook, but. So anyway, so let me give you a math illustration. It won't last long, okay? So how do you know how to tide the first 10%? Okay, so let's say that you own a, a landscape company and you come over to my home and I say, I would like this many trees and plants and, and bushes and flower beds and things. And so at the end you say, okay, here, here's my bid for the work. This is how much all of my materials will cost. This is how much my labor will cost to install it. And my profit will be $1,000 on this job. So are you agreeable to the entire price, Pastor? I say, yes, I am. And so at the end of it, I, you, you do the job. And so then I, let's say I pay you for your materials and your labor which is not what you would tithe off of because that's not your increase. You only tithe on your increase. And then for your increase, your profit, your salary in essence for that job, I give you 10 $100 bills, which would be $1,000. Okay, the word tithe comes from a Hebrew word which means 10%, okay, a tenth, a tenth part. Okay, so, so you have 10, so here's the math question. Some of you can answer, some of you, you know, be glazed eyed right now, it's okay. But here's the math question. You have $1,000 in your hand, a tithe is 10%. So how much is the tithe? $100, right? Okay. But you have 10 $100 bills in your hand. So here's the second question. Which one of those 10 is the tithe? The first one. Good. You're listening. But how do you know which one's the first one? Listen to me. It's the first one to leave your hand. That's the first one. In other words, if you go home and you say, okay, let me set aside some for mortgage, some for uh, utilities, some for food, some for clothes, and here's God's part. That is not God's part. You gave God's part to the mortgage company. And the mortgage company does not have the power to bless your finances. But God does. And here's what many people do. Okay, let me set aside some for this and some for this and some for this. And some. Oh, there's not enough leftover to give to God. Okay, I know some of you don't know me, so I don't mean this uh, uh, incorrectly or, or with the wrong spirit, but please hear me. God wouldn't accept it anyway. He doesn't accept leftovers. He redeems leftovers, <laughs> which are you and me. He redeems us. But he doesn't accept leftovers as an offering.
As a matter of fact, he says it re really clearly. He says, you bring me animals that are lame and blind, and you think I accept them? And he says it, you can read it right in Scripture. He said, I do not accept them. I do not. So we be the first to God. Now, this is the way it works in my own life, practically. Um, I get paid on the 15th and the 30th, and it's a direct deposit. So on the 15th and the 30th, it magically appears in my account. And so while I'm having my quiet time, I go online on that day, the day I get paid, in the morning, and I immediately send the tithe to the church. Now, I say something here that I, I, I don't mean bragging. I just, God told me I'm supposed to say it because he's going to challenge some of you to this. Since 1985, it's been a double tithe for Debbie and me. In other words, it's 20% to the local church, and we give on top of that to ministries, universities, things like that. But the 20% the goes immediately to the local church. But I do it online because I want it to be the first funds that leave my account. And it's fine if you write a check, bring the check to church, whatever. I'm just saying it's in your heart, okay? But here's what I want you to know. I'm not legalistic about this, and God's not legalistic about it. He's really not legalistic about it. It's, it's a matter of your heart. I'm asking you in your heart, is God first? That's really what I'm asking you. So, the reason I wanted to share this with you is because let's say that on the 15th I get up and I have an early morning meeting. I don't even have a quiet time that day and I rush out and I come home that evening. I think, oh, it's the 15th. I got paid today. So, I go online to, you know, send the tithe to the church and I notice that Debbie's been to the grocery store that day. I don't say to her, oh, that's great, sugar. We're cursed. <laughs> you gave part of the Lord's tithe, you know, to the grocery store and so we're cursed now. No. I'm not that way. God's not that way. I do believe it's a matter of the heart. I'm asking you in your heart, is God first? And you say, yeah, but you're talking about finances. Let me, let me give you the basis. Jesus said, where your treasure is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It does matter where you put your treasure first. And if you want your heart in the kingdom of God first, you put your treasure there first, and it's called the tithe. It's the first 10%. Now, let me show you one more verse, and, and then we're finished, all right? Well, actually, two verses, but one, just one passage here. Uh, back in Exodus 13, remember he's talking about the firstborn and sacrificing the firstborn. This is where we started. Look at verse 14. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is this? In other words, one day your son's going to ask you, Daddy, why are you killing these animals? I mean, that'd be a logical uh, question for a son. Then you shall say to him, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, or this is the reason, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Okay. Let's think about this happening. You, you can see this. Little boy comes running in the kitchen, says, Mom, Dad, the, the sheep is, is, is having a lamb, and, and it's her first one. And so they all jump up, and they run out to the barn, but the dad grabs a butcher knife on the way. And they get out to the barn, and the whole family's gathered around. They say, oh, look. Oh, it's the miracle of life. Oh, look. He's standing up. He's standing up. The lamb is standing up. And then the dad reaches over, grabs the little lamb by the hind legs, and cuts its throat. And this little boy's watching this. Now, you know what he's thinking, don't you? He's thinking, 
uh, don't mess with dad. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what that lamb did, but I'm never going to do that. I know that. And then he grows up and this keeps happening. He just watches it. He doesn't know why though. Why does my dad do this? So then let's say he goes away to college. He comes back and the dad says, son, you've got your education now. I want you to take over the books. Take over the, the books for the business. And son says, okay. And so he's sitting there at the desk one day and he's got the books out. The dad walks in from the field and the son says, uh, dad, um, sit down, dad. Um, let, me, let me talk to you. Um, uh, leave, the, leave the knife outside, please, dad, for a moment. Um, <clears throat> Dad, uh, you know, you asked me to take over the books, and um, Dad, I, I was just noticing something. Uh, you, um, you know, you might not even know you do this. You know, Dad, uh, we all have blind spots, you know. And, um, but I was just noticing that every time one of our animals has a firstborn, you, um, how should I say this, uh, kill it. <clears throat> and uh, Dad, um, I've got the books here. You killed 73 animals last year, Dad, 73. And Dad, we're, we're in the ranching business. Uh, this is cutting into our profits. Um, so can you explain to me, why, why do you kill these animals? I mean, they're, they just, they're just born. Why do you kill them? And God said, your son's going to ask you one day, why do you do this? And he said, when he asks you, you say to him, son, um, There's something about our family that you don't know, son. We weren't always in the ranching business. We didn't own any animals, son. We didn't own any land. We didn't own anything. Son, we, we were in bondage. But God, with a mighty hand delivered us out of bondage and gave us everything that we have now. Therefore, we gladly give to God the first of all of our increase. Okay, this, this was written, this was written almost 4,000 years ago, okay? 4,000 years ago, and I had almost the same thing happen to me. Years ago, we didn't have online banking. I was paying the bills, and the way I would do it is I would always write the tithe check first. And then I would set the tithe check over to the side, and then I would write the checks for the rest of the bills. For you um, younger people here, uh, we, we used to have pieces of paper called checks. <clears throat> so, okay, so, so I'm, 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 I'm writing, the, I wrote the tithe check, put it over here, and now I'm paying the rest of the bills. And my son, who was about eight or nine at the time, who has the math mind, he comes in and he looks at this check and he starts reading it and he starts realizing how much it is. Because to an eight or nine year old boy, 10% of your income, that's a lot of money. And he's looking at it and I can see him and all of a sudden he says to me, Dad, why are you giving so much money to the church? And I remembered that passage. And I took my son and I set him on my lap. And I said, son, this is gonna be very hard for me to tell you. But there's something about daddy that you don't know. Daddy wasn't always a Christian. 
And Daddy used to be a very, very bad man. And I was in bondage, son. God, with a mighty hand, redeemed your daddy and gave us everything we have now. Therefore, I gladly give to God the first of everything that we have. Gladly. I want you to just bow your heads and close your eyes. All the campuses, all the locations. Just a moment, just, just close your eyes, just for a moment. The reason I'm asking you to close your eyes is because church is about encountering God. It's about us, yes, meeting with God, but God meeting with us. And before I came out here, I prayed today and I just felt like there are many of you here that struggle in this area. Listen to me, please, you are not a bad person. You, you might struggle in this area, but I probably struggle in some areas you don't struggle in. We all struggle. We're all learning. We're all growing. You're not a bad person if you don't tithe. And most people tell me, Pastor, the reason I don't tithe, I would love to tithe, but I just can't afford it. Please hear me. You will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. Yep. Come on. Because tithing is what breaks the curse. And it rebukes the devourer. Every time you start to get ahead, if you're not a tither, every time you start to get ahead, something else will break. And you know it. And you're here today. It's, it's divine. It's a divine moment. I'm telling you, God wants to bless you. He wants to change the course of your life. You can go back to this day and say, that's the day that I understood. It wasn't some ritual or because it was a part of the law at one time. It's because I wanted to put God first in my life. I started putting God first in my life, and I'm so glad 10, 20, 30 years from now, you'll talk about it. I remember the day I put God first in my life. And here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to make the commitment right now. Make the commitment the next time you get paid. And if you have to sell something or go through some financial classes to get on a budget, whatever you have to do, stop letting Satan steal from you. Close the door. So I want you to make a commitment right now. Not to me, obviously. Do it to the Lord. Make a commitment to the Lord. Lord, you know I've struggled in this area. I don't want to struggle in this area. I don't want to feel bad about this anymore. And he doesn't want you to feel bad. He wants to bless you. So make a commitment, Lord, from this day forward, I'll put you first. First 10% of my income is going to Celebration Church. It's going to the church. I'm going to bring it to the house of God. Lord, I pray right now for my brothers and sisters in Jesus' name. Lord, especially those who are making this commitment, those who are refreshing this commitment. God, thank you that according to your word, you're going to rebuke the devourer for their sakes. You're going to open the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing. There will not even be room enough to receive it. Lord, we all right now commit to keep you in first place in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.